Welcome to the Local Marketing Institute podcast. Learn practical and trustworthy digital marketing tactics from the best local marketing experts in the world. Access show notes and our entire library of free training videos at localmarketinginstitute.com. And now, here's your host, Eric Sheinfeld. Let's talk Google My Business Ranking Factors for 2020. Uh, again, I'm very thrilled to be joined by uh, David Mim, Dan Liebson, and Joy Hawkins, some of the best uh, you know, local art marketing experts you will find anywhere in the world. So welcome, gang. But um, I thought what I'd do here initially, especially talking, is there have been some major um, algorithm changes that happened in 2019. And so I know all you have some various perspectives on this. So I'd like to throw this out. How have Google's recent algorithm changes affected local search and what businesses or agencies need to do? So I don't actually think Dan and I will disagree on this as much as he might think we are going to. Um, so I think, <laughs> we're, I think we're talking about Bedlam here. So it's an algorithm update that um, we saw in November, early November, but it kind of lasted throughout, I'd say all the way till December. Um, finally, we saw things quiet down. Um, I don't necessarily think it changed a ton. Um, I think as far as like factors that maybe got influenced, I would say that content on the website or the website structure. So like traditional on-site optimization as far as SEO goes may have gained importance um, as a result, but we really only saw like major changes on a lot of long tail keywords. So not like traditionally the keywords that people would type in, you know, if you're a lawyer, let's say, for example, criminal lawyer, um, we didn't see massive changes and stuff like that. We started seeing massive changes on more things like dog bite lawyer or something that's very specific. Um, but again, it was long tailed stuff. So I think that's in line with what Google said was that um, you probably would notice impact on more specific queries. And we did see an impact, a good impact in that way. Google seems to be better able to understand them. And instead of surfacing just spammy listings that had exact match titles, we're actually seeing real businesses now. It's like, woohoo. Um, but overall, um, I don't think we saw like major changes and a lot of the craziness that was happening settled. So businesses that were freaking out that like vanished, it was like day to day. There was about five or six days where it was insanely different. And I don't know if it was just Google testing something. Um, but we would see on ranking trackers, you'd have this giant spike and then this drop and then it would go back to normal like a day or two later. And I've never seen that type of activity happen consistently throughout a month before that, that to me was new. So that's kind of my take on it. So it sounds like what you're saying, it was, it was, there, there were some major changes. What you're seeing is a few things happened with where website optimization, especially for long tail terms seems to have, have but up. Big spikes along the way, but it seems to have settled out and kind of um, uh, come out in the wash at the end. Yeah, like most of the people on the thread on the local search forum that were freaking out, that were like, oh my gosh, I've uh, you know, my rankings have changed or whatever. A lot of them did stabilize. Um, so they're kind of more back to where they were before the whole um, thing rolled out. Um, so a lot of it did end up stabilizing after it was done. But the process, like while it was going on, everyone's like, I I've never seen anything chaotic like that before where... Um, it keeps happening where like someone would get the rankings back and then they would lose them and then they would get them back and then lose them. Like it's very uh, frustrating <laughs> for a lot of business owners. Well, that just is there... like a Google update to me, right? And like the same style of update and like the same things that they've been focusing on for like three or four years now, you know what I mean? Just like better at a thing and like the more messy rollout happening on a, a local search update that almost always happens on an organic search update, right? Like it's always usually pretty messy, uh, which is why they want to talk about how um, 
about how if it's neutral that nobody should see any impact, right? And so, like, I think that this was a great update for them. Um, I didn't really see any impact. I tried to like talk to people and see if they saw any impact. And like, I don't like, you know, um, Joy makes very, uh, has a post, it's like a very compelling case around like how like the ranking fluctuation she's talking about happened. But other than that, it just seems like more of the same, right? Like is kind of how I would characterize it. Um, and so it didn't really do anything for us, right? Like it didn't, it just is heads down, keep on keeping on. Yeah, or as our friend Mike Blumenthal says, uh, take one beer and come back and check again tomorrow. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. So, in your guys' opinion, did the rollout of Bedlam or other search algorithm changes that Google has experimented with throughout the year, did it change any of the actual ranking factors or the things that businesses need to do? So, like, one thing that they're doing now, right, that, like, changes ranking factors is they're ranking, like, e-commerce head terms, right? This has been going on for, like, a year now, right? Like, things like milk, charcoal, garden soil, all get packs, right? All localized. Um, those are not traditional local queries, right? Google doesn't get the, like, data for the local queries from, like, citations or whatever, right? Like they, they don't know Whole Foods sells milk because of a citation that has the text milk on it, right? This is kind of like what Joy is talking about, about they have a better understanding of it. So like in the way that like they can rank the same things that they've been ranking repeatedly, like prominence, relevance, and um, authority. Authority. Um, they're, do they're just doing those things like differently, right? And so like the things that may impact those are changing. But it's still those things. They still care about those things. Right. But we're seeing things like like more and more of like snippets from people's websites showing up in GMB listings. So is that kind of some of the some of the impacts that you're seeing? Is that what you guys are seeing, David? Enjoy that. So any, I think these that, terms you describe on your website are popping yeah, up. Yeah, I think that, you know, Dan and Joy both mentioned this, like that that's something that's that Google has been surfacing in you know, as sort of featured highlights or Joy has a term for this that I should know, but you know, the little blurb underneath your business name in a three pack, you know, that's been going on for a few years uh, or at least a year. Um, and it may be that Google was sort of testing, can we do this first uh, with any degree of accuracy? And once they'd established they had that they rolled it into um, part of an algorithm update. Uh, that's total speculation, but I just think, you know, it's not like, um, this shouldn't come as a huge surprise to anybody in the search industry because Google's been as transparent as they've ever been um, that, you know, they're able to do this and that this is explicitly uh, about local search. Now they've made explicit statements that they do, they do natural language processing right. around local search, right? Like they, they explicitly say that these impact packs now and have yep. for a bit. Yep. Right. Um, so I, I, I was just going to say one thing though. I don't, um, uh, Although I, I don't necessarily follow the individual SERPs as closely as either Dan or Joy, um, I have seen plenty of chatter on Twitter that there's still a ton of, you know, exact match business name spam and that, that type of thing that continues to rank after this update. So I, I don't think that it's, uh, from where I sit, it, it doesn't seem like the quality of result has, has radically changed as a result of the update. Um, and although I think it's from the, the SERPs that I have I spent a, a couple of days over the break, um, just sort of looking at as many SERPs as I could, um, I agree that it does seem that sort of longer tail content on websites is informing, you know, um, who's showing up for certain, certain of these keywords. I, to me, it felt like though there was still a threshold of your business has to be at least this prominent in order to get that benefit. 
Um, I tried a number of exact match, you know, long tail queries that I had seen on uh, very uh, well established, but you know, old websites that looked like they hadn't been touched in, you know, 10 years, they hadn't had any optimization, but that content existed on the page and Google still wasn't ranking them in the three pack, even though they had an exact match term on their site. Um, and they had a, they had a GMB listing that was pointed at that website. So to me, it felt like there's still, there, there's some interaction between um, relevance and prom relevance of a website and prominence of a GMB profile that um, still needs to be explored. It, it also was one of the key things of, the content ahead, of that website is right. It might not be meeting some threshold for like the relevance, right? It's like very prominent and authoritative and has been around for a while, but like might be out of date or something like that, right? And that could be affecting it. That's a really interesting observation, though. So I think this goes back to something I think you, Joy, you brought up that um, one of the questions I had: do do local business websites still matter, and do they impact? your GMB ranking, right? So we got obviously GMB ranking and then you got organic website rankings. And so, you know, everybody said, hey, there is, uh, there is association, but is that true here in 2020? It sounds like what you're saying is it might be even more so now. Yeah, and it's not just the website you're using on the listing. It's I think any website that Google has associated with your entity. So we have cases of clients where they have multiple websites and we will make a change on one of the websites that is not connected to GMB and see an increase in their um, three-pack rankings. So I think Google is smart enough to attach other websites to a specific entity, like they do it with Yelp or, you know, same, same thing that Mike Blumenthal discovered when he realized that content in Yelp reviews impacts ranking in the three-pack. So um, as long as Google has properly associated with that entity, um, then yeah, I, 100%. I get really mad when people are like, oh, it's the death of the website. Like that's the stupidest statement ever. Um, your website really matters. You shouldn't be resorting to GMB websites, you know, because that's the new thing. They, they're terrible. You know what, what you just said there I think was absolutely fascinating. So yes, they've got the GMB listing, but you're talking about, you know, Google understands the entity of a business across the entire internet, not just your GMB listing and your own website, but all the other citations and mentions of that business. And I think what you said was very interesting that you're seeing not only uh, when you optimize your website or put the right kinds, you know, you know, describe the services and things you do well on your website and in your listing, but on other citations can also have a positive impact on your GMB ranking. Is that what I'm understanding? Not citations, domains, right? Like things yeah. like having like a wicked, like, I mean, not even something as powerful as a Wikipedia listing, right? But if you're like a brand with three business units and three websites, those can all impact each other, right? Like a, the classic example in local search is things like universities and medical centers, right? Where they have like multiple different domains for the same property, but they're all tied together and increasing kind of one can increase the other, particularly with how, like Joyce talking about how Google understands it, right? Like if you're ranking your cardiology unit for, you know, oncology, you're not, you're not winning, even if you're ranking number one, right? You're, you're losing really bad. Okay, so you're, you're not saying that, hey, if I, get better, you know, different, you know, more, more rich reviews or better information on my Yelp listing or on, you know, on my Facebook page, Google's not really taking that necessarily into account. I would be really skeptical if Google is taking your Facebook reviews into an account in how your GMB profile is ranking absent how they pipe it into the knowledge panel in terms of like 
reviews around the web and stuff, right? But Yelp reviews are rich content. Like this is like a whole thing that Mike did. Yelp reviews are rich content. It's slightly different in that they're a very dominant and ranking website for most of the queries a business would be ranking for. They have lots of keywords and reviews and lots of content that updates regularly about the business. So Google's crawling that all the time, right? It's versus Facebook, which is basically given up on reviews and is like primarily stars. So it, it, it's not quite the same, like or yellowpages.com or whatever, right? It's not quite the same. Yeah, I think that yeah, I, it's, oh, sorry, go ahead, Joy. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna add to what Dan was saying. There's different um, levels of citations. I hate putting them in the same category because I think Yelp is like up here along with, like for example, we work with lawyers. There's a bunch of legal directories that are also up there with Yelp in the sense of impacting where you rank. If you do get a ton of reviews and regularly get content and things like that on those, they do help. That is not true for like Hot Frog or, you know, just someone yeah. Dairy uses my, my Huckleberry, <laughs> someone he makes fun of. But like, no. those are not in the same tier. So there is a small number of citations that I would say, yes, the content on there matters, but the rest of them are not uh, worth spending time on. Lawyers are so unique because they have multiple, because there's a lot of investment in that yeah. website, organic yeah. website category is lead generation, right? <laughs> and so it's really unique. That's like, like most general businesses, there aren't that many, right? It's like Yelp and then, yeah. mm -hmm. Maybe yeah. Right? Maybe no, I'll. exactly. Yeah, we have one in Canada that's really prominent too. That's called Homestars, but it it's, it ranks crazy on Google, like everywhere for well, any no. contractor type term. I know. Oh yeah, you know about them. <laughs> they need help though. <laughs> you should talk to them. <laughs> David, you said you had something. Yeah, I was just gonna say I uh, completely agree with with Joy's comment. Um, you know, M Mike Blumenthal and I have talked about this in in various uh, street fight columns in the past, but. Um, it's not necessarily that the sort of underlying logic behind citations has changed at all. I would argue that it has not. Um, what has changed is the sites that Google deems authoritative and worthy of ranking organically um, in a 2020 you know, organic algorithm. So if you look back 10, 12 years ago, sure, City Search, Hot Frog, Yellowpages.com, Superpages.com, all of those sites dominated the top 10 for you know, any kind of competitive local term. And so if your business was referenced on those sites, you got the associated benefit of both relevance and prominence um, associated with your listing. Now, you know, I'd be shocked if City Search ranked in the top 100 for any competitive local keyword or any of those other sort of long tail horizontal directories. So um, it's not so much that, you know, citations are dead. It's the sites that, you know, a lot, frankly, a lot of, um, a lot of articles that I wrote 10 years ago reference those sites no longer matter. Uh, and it's just a new set of sites that increasingly varies by vertical as both Joy and Dan were just saying. Well, so, but like David, let's bring this back to 2006, right? Let's bring this back to Google Local Business Center, right? Like you're, you, like everything you're saying is 100% correct. And those citations mattered exactly like you and Mike said for relevance and prominence because there was no web data for those businesses. Wow, is that different now? Like, wow, right? Like, and so why would you, why would you take data from my Chuckleberry when you can take data from the business's own website and they give it to you willingly and all of it all the time because they want you to take it, right? And so it's just, it's like, you know. And a lot more businesses today have websites than did 14, 15 years ago, particularly in longer tail categories and, and geographies. Oh yeah. It sounds I mean, like what you all are saying here is that, hey, indeed, 
local business websites do matter. As a matter of fact, they probably even matter more now than they have in the past, especially with, with deep with, with the content. Um, by the way, I do see a lot of questions coming through, guys. Heads up, we, we will try to get to as many of these as possible, and I'm kind of categorizing them. So if we're not getting to right now, we got a lot of content to cover here. Anything more on the website front that we want to chat about? I, I would just say, I you know, um, as a... As someone who has been uh, tagged with the websites don't matter um, label in the past, um, earned, earned it. <laughs> I would just say that it's a it's a much more nuanced uh, discussion. I think that um, my point, and uh, not to put words in Mike's mouth, but I think his point as well is just that you know you can't any longer see a website as a sole destination where all transactions and contact points are happening. That in many categories these consumer touch points are happening directly from your GMB profile. And while your website still um, uh, has a significant effect on how prominent that GMB profile is and how many keywords it shows up for and all of those things that if, if all you're doing is looking at your GA data for the number of forms, you know, filled out on your website or number of, of phone calls made through a call tracking number on your website, you know, you might be missing out on, uh, upwards of 50% of, of your leads that your GMB profile is actually uh, delivering for you, uh, informed and influenced by the power of your website. I'll be even bolder on that. If you're, if you're only f focusing about local search as being either on GMB or through a website and not as a holistic kind of product management view of how people find your business on Google and other search engines, you're likely losing a significant amount of traffic. And also you're probably totally oblivious to it, right? I think the person that does the best job of talking about this is AJ Cohen actually because he deals with like a lot of like the discovery news kind of um, stuff where Google is, image search, where Google is obfuscating the data around you. GMB is the exact same, right? Like they obfuscate all of the data from insights. It's wacky. You can't tell what it means. It's really hard to kind of get a canonical view of how your like interactions are happening on their source. You, but you know that it's a lot because you can, you know, do your qualitative surveys after the fact and do your kind of customer follow-ups and see it. Right. Um, it's just a core, the whole the whole thing is a core part of what search is now. And, and you have to be paying attention to that. So getting back then to your know, overall GMB ranking factors. Right. We talked about the algorithm changes. We talked about the impact of websites on your GMB ranking. Um, I want to talk just briefly. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but let's talk about, you know, citation management and app consistency, which used to be a big, big thing. Are you seeing, you know, is there a need to, have to build out citations? Is there a need for consistency uh, across those citations? Or has that become less and less of a factor over time? Definitely I, less of a factor over time. Certainly less of a factor yeah, over we, time. We, we track it as a low priority item. So like if there's absolutely nothing else to do, maybe work on citations, but that's assuming that the business is listed um, in some of the primary ones. Like for example, if you're a lawyer, it is important to be, on the legal directories, or, um, you know, if you're a plumber, you probably want to be on Angie's list or um, home advisor or sites like that. So there, there are exceptions to that. But as a whole, like, you should not be creating 10 new citations every month that is not going to move the needle. Right. There's a like, there's like a top tier of like secondary level type citations, take care of those <laughs> and you hit 95% of what you need to. Yeah, and we really don't like reoccurring subscriptions for citations. So I, yeah. I don't pay for them. I, and I think that the the reason for that is, you know, going back to our earlier discussion, you know, most of the uh, citation subscription services don't hit the increasingly vertical and potentially local and deeper content style 
uh, sites that are now ranking uh, and are perceived as authoritative by Google. So, you know, if, if a tree is falling in the forest on, you know, page number 12 in a Google search result for that keyword that you want to rank for, you know, what's the value of being on there? It's basically invisible. So um, I, I definitely think that the, the, you know, the sort of packaged citation services have, have declined in, in importance and efficacy. Um, I will say though, that I, I think that at least, um, at least knowing what is out there for your business on Google uh, in terms of duplicate listings uh, is still very important and, and closing duplicate listings on Google um, is still important. I've got my, my sole remaining consulting client is a big hospital here in, in Portland. Um, we fight constant battles of uh, duplicate, unclaimed duplicates continuing to surface ahead of a very well-claimed, you know, fairly well-optimized with reviews and photos and everything else listing just because, um, you know, for whatever reason, on whatever update, Google decides to show this, this um, suboptimal listing. So I, I think just from a, you know, reputation standpoint, uh, making sure consumers are seeing accurate information and, and positive information about your business that duplicates on Google are still uh, kind of a, a big headache, um, at least again, from my, my single client experience. Right. So it sounds like, look, it's still important, you know, hey, clean up your citations, make them as accurate as possible, but don't drive yourself nuts and don't do long-term subscriptions to keep those things updated. It's not necessary, but it's still worthwhile doing, especially if someone's, you know, looking up your, your hours on Apple maps or something, which a lot of people still do. So I, but like, this is like the interesting discussion, right? Like I totally disagree. It's something that SEO should clean up. I agree that it's a reputation management thing in that, like, if you have to have your business on Apple maps or where other, where people are looking for your business, that's important. That's not an acquisition channel and it's not something that marketers should be responsible for. And so this, this is like a budgetary debate over whose responsibility is making sure reputation management is okay. If it's not an acquisition channel, I don't think marketers should be responsible for it. Okay. It doesn't impact their metrics at all. It comes out of their budget, could be used for better tactics. Okay. So one thing I want to address here, and you know, I know I got a lot of people asking about all the new GMB features and stuff. We're definitely gonna 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 get to that here. I want to talk about some of the other things that that surround and impacted here. Obviously, still the the, the big I call it the eight hundred you know, or the the elephant in the room thing is still proximity. Is proximity still you know the biggest ranking factor? Because I, I see that being talked about all the times. So I see businesses, especially service area businesses, lamenting about proximity issues and and uh, and how that's impacting their, their, their listing. I think a lot of businesses still have a hard time getting their heads wrapped around proximity. It's so funny to me that that it, the idea that you to you have to be local to rank in local search is controversial, right? <laughs> like that, 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 that seems like the most obvious thing ever, right? Like you can't rank in a paid search if you're not paying for a paid ad unit. I don't think it's controversial necessarily, Dan, but they, 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 I think what they're saying is, hey, you know, the kind of business I'm in has a 30, 40, 50 mile radius, whatever it is. And, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm just as good as the guy who's right there next to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Google doesn't get it, right? This is the important part. They don't understand like what like uh, travel or location means for business purchases, right? And they don't understand a lot of business unit types, right? Like they don't understand that the average purchase, that's the average distance someone will go to buy a car is like 50 miles, right? Like that doesn't reflect SERPs in any way, shape or form. Right. But it doesn't matter. Right. To Google, to, you have to be local to rank. And that's that's what it is. And it, it's kind of until they change that. Right. Like it's what it's going to be. Right. Like it doesn't mean that it's the, the number one ranking factor. It means that they want to rank. They want to show you proximate businesses. That's like the 
platform. Like the organic platform is to show you organic businesses that rank for your query or the paid platform is to show you businesses that show up with ads that match your intent. Like th that's just what it is. So proximity is so still I, a big factor and nothing you can do about it, right? Why are we, I don't even know why we people pay attention to it or talk about it personally, but I'm just going to be kind of contrarian in there. So Google definitely is aware of this problem. They, they get it. They do get it. I don't think they've solved it yet, but they do understand that it's a problem. It is definitely on their radar. It has come up on enough meetings. Um, it, it's something they're looking at trying to solve, but I don't think it's as simple as we would think because most service area businesses have such a wide area that they surface. And there's frankly just no way to make every business rank everywhere they want to rank. Like it's just a very challenging problem to solve. And it's also not what Google Maps was designed for. So there are conflicting products. Mm -hmm. Google Maps was not meant for service area businesses. It was meant to map physical places. So I know it's been very challenging trying to get those two teams aligned. Like it's, it's, I think there's a lot more work than people realize. Like it's, it's not a simple solution, but I know that they are trying to solve it. So I'm trying to remain optimistic that maybe one day there'll be a better solution than what's there right now, but Put, currently it is what it is putting my tinfoil hat on the, the uh, incentive to solve it is, is not really there when you have LSAs as a killer product uh, ranking above the, the three pack for most of these terms. So yeah, the local um, I, 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 like, it, the incentive is there to solve GMB for them ever, my, right? Like the, it's like a, right. their mapping product they need to maintain. My honest, my honest opinion is, is that um, it, it's much closer to what Joy described that, that, um, Maps wasn't intended to solve this, and uh, frankly, LSA is much more along, uh, much more aligned with how home service and other service area business types think in terms of uh, I want to pay a fixed price per lead um, and open the floodgates when I have guys out in my trucks and when I'm closed, you know, turn off my bidding. Um, and I think that uh, we're going to start to see more LSA style um, presentations for. Uh, for service area businesses of all types. We saw it expand, I think, to lawyers and, and mortgage brokers uh, just in the last couple months. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it just keeps rolling out across more categories. Businesses, right? Like, like LSAs are also like solve a major business, like a consumer problem for Google where it removes spam and makes it where there's an easier purchase path for users change it, taking bit like choosing businesses, right? Like not only does it make them money, but it's also a meaningful consumer pain point, right? Which is I think also something to acknowledge, right? Like the organic search results don't do a good local organic search results in uh, GMB don't always do a good job of that for a lot of categories. So bottom line, hey, we can all agree proximity is still a major ranking factor. Not a whole lot you can do about it. Service area businesses have a, an uphill battle to, 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 to fight with that because of that. Is that safe to say? Or is there anything that, they, that can be done? Um, there's a lot of chains that are trying to come up with creative ways to maximize their exposure, but not in any way that uh, doesn't violate the guidelines. So I guess it just depends on how much you want to walk that line. Yeah. So just optimize as best you can and work within those limitations. Look at other options that are out there. Is that the bottom line? Okay. All right. Um, going on to a couple more things here. So we talked about proximity. We talked about citation. Talked about websites. Um, let's talk a little bit about about uh, link building. That was a big question that came up by from several people before the thing. Link building back to your website. I guess as what they're assuming back with authority. What impact does link building have on your website or or on your GMB listing in, in particular? 
the thing that makes websites rank, right? So it has a ton of effect by on your uh, GMB listing, right? Like links are what is authority for organic search. And so it's the main thing that drives that, right? So if that matters, then then links matter. If that doesn't matter for you, then links don't matter, right? It's hard to it's hard it's hard to say. It, it, this is like where this stuff all becomes vertical dependent, right? Like for a nail salon, probably not that big of a deal. For a lawyer, probably something that they should spend thousands of dollars on. David, yeah, I think link building is it was even more impactful. I would say in local SEO because if you get links, you're generally if you get any links, you're generally like well ahead of your competitors because so many small businesses don't have any. Um, really good quality links anyway. So um, I think it's hugely important. It packs, you know, both places, three pack organic ranking. It's the win-win. Like Dan said, it's what makes ranking go up and it's always a high impact item. Like whenever we are acquiring links, we're like, this is important. Like throw all resources at this if we can kind of thing. Joy is one of the few agencies out there that also has in-house dedicated link building. Go Joy. It's important. Super important. It was one of the first things that we built out. We actually talked to Joy's link builder way back when. It's like a thing. You gotta, you gotta be doing it. If you're not doing it and you're not doing it well, you're. I'm sorry. You're, you're just like quite behind. Yeah. Hey, one little clarification. Like there are several people who came up. David, you had mentioned you know Google's world.lsas for service area business. Just to clarify, there's some people. LSAs are Google local service ads. Correct. So yeah. you, when, you, when you do searches for certain kinds of service area businesses, you will see these ads at the top where they've been vetted out and it's, it's, uh, you can then connect directly with the business and get a lead. Those are local service ads. So just, just to clarify that point. Yeah. So the guy to follow on that, if you want to learn more about it, is Tom Waddington. Um, and Joy, I can't even remember the name of his, the URL of his site. It's... Uh, TomWaddington.com. It is TomWaddington.com <laughs> because he has another business that I can't even pronounce. So um, Tom, Tom will be joining us here in a few weeks to specifically do a deep dive into LSA. Perfect. Yeah. So sign up for that webinar with Tom. He's, he's the guy to follow on local service yeah. ads. Um, just, to, just to quickly chime in on link building. Yeah, I agree with both Dan, uh, Dan and Joy. Um, in fact, both Darren Shaw and Mike Blumenthal have done case studies in the last year um, where you know, they've, they've done as much as they can with GMB. Uh, and then they go out and they get a couple of links. It doesn't take much. Um, it does vary by category, as Dan was saying. Um, but this was for a home builder, I think, and a restaurant um, in Mike's case. And just a couple of links, you know, really has a, had a huge impact on how well these businesses ranked um, in, in three packs for their GMB profiles. So um, couldn't agree more. Links still very, very important. Um, in many cases, uh, just a handful will make a big difference. But that's very category dependent. Yeah, like if you're in if you're in a major market and you're in a competitive category or you're like working with competing with large brands or are a large brand, like buckle up. Right? Like it's it's a it's it's you're you're not until you can compete in organic search, you're not gonna compete in packs primarily and competing in or, those organic search results is very difficult. Got it. All right, so let's dive into some of the actual GMB features here. We've talked enough about all these external factors, which I think have a major impact. Let's talk about some of the actual GMB features themselves. So within a GMB listing, what would you say are the most important factors in the ranking, other than obviously you know, relevancy to the search and those kind of things? What are the most important factors that you guys have found? Reviews. Hmm? Reviews for me. Reviews, yeah, huge. Yeah, keep talking about elaborate a little bit on that, David. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, all aspects of reviews, right? You want, you, ideally, you want a steady stream of reviews from uh, Google users with established review profiles 
that mention what they bought from you and what uh, attribute of the purchase um, was like. Uh, and I think all of those things matter, the volume of reviews, um, how recent they are, the, the quality of the profile and the content of the review, uh, all of those things matter. And it's not just on Google, you know, to Joy's earlier point, um, what people are saying about you on other review sites, uh, if those sites are perceived as authoritative by Google, um, can also uh, play a big role. So um, I, I think reviews are, have been important for a really long time and um, I don't see that changing anytime soon. When we first started doing our ranking factors, I got some, I partnered with Mike to get some, Mike Blumenthal to get some review data and did some research that I didn't publish, but like have and did. Cause I was really curious, like why do Mexican restaurants rank for certain keywords in the category? Like I love Mexican food. I eat Mexican food all the time. I live in coastal Southern California. It's a thing. We just call it food here. Um, anyway, so like, why do you rank for burrito, not taco or nachos or quesadilla or whatever, right? And so got a ton of review data from Mike, looked at co-occurrence of reviews in review profiles and it was pretty clear that um, the uh, amount of times like a keyword like burrito showed up in a business's review profile that was disproportionately higher than other restaurants in that category, they would rank for that keyword. Right. And then um, like as Colin Nielsen on Joy's team pointed out um, like six months ago, when did, whenever they started, you could type in the um, review question, like the commentary, and it would search the review or, or the um, Q&A. They're mining that stuff for keywords. You can see it, like you can literally like see it in real time, right? And so the like what people are talking about in reviews is so important. It is like a huge treasure trove of data for Google to employ natural language processing on. Uh, Mike Blumenthal had a super cool study he presented with their IBM Watson data at a local U Advanced when it was in Denver similar, very similar to this, super interesting. Um, prob probably the most important thing you could do around reviews and probably the hardest. And like, and I think you, what you're saying here is, and I think a lot of people already know this, but I mean, Google is definitely taking in content of the reviews as well as the sentiment of the reviews into their ranking algorithm on, on, on that. And we're even seeing, I guess, I, I've even seen review content being bubbled up into the, into the uh, GMB listings. Yeah. Yeah, there was a recent uh, update around that just in the last couple of weeks that um, we're now starting to see that even more. Um, that content has been showing up similar to what we were talking about earlier with website content. It's been highlighted in three packs uh, for a year or so. Um, and, you know, Google is uh, being fairly transparent that, the, you know, they're paying attention to this stuff. You can see it in the UI. You know it's happening on the back end. The pills, um, like the pill filters, right? That's, that that's, that's what I was referring to recently. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. So I, and just want to let you guys know, I want to point this out to you. We'll put a link to this in the webinar, but uh, every year, uh, local SEO guide and Dan's a big part of this puts out this, this study that they've done of, of uh, kind of just an analysis of a bunch of the factors out there. And so this is some great data. And this is what you're referring to, Dan, when you said, Hey, the study you did with the impact of the reviews, right? Well, but so like when we were first doing this, I have like this, the, what I'm talking about, about like the review content analysis was separate because I don't, we didn't have like a good model at the time for analyzing it. So I just did some like really basic research on it um, on some Mexican restaurants in Phoenix, Arizona that Mike provided me uh, through the gather up platform. And so that that's unpublished, but like it's, I mean, you can, it, um, take it for what you what you want, right? It seems pretty self-evident, like David is saying, just like playing around with how reviews work in the actual like GMB profile itself. They pay. Bottom line, hey, the categories are huge. 
it looks at your, at your, 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 your company description being there, but the, the reviews are a huge factor. And so a good consistent review strategy with deep, deep content reviews is a major ranking factor, which is, which businesses have some influence on, but not necessarily direct control over. Right. Okay. All right. Um, so let's talk about some of the other features. Let's, let's, let's dive into photos, videos real quick. Photos and videos is always a big thing. What are you guys seeing around photos and videos in terms of the numbers or the types or the 360, you know, store view things or, you know, geotagging? You know, what are you guys seeing that are either true ranking factors or things that are, that are fallacies out there? We do 360 photos for users. I don't know about any of y'all, right? But like, we do, we do all the engagement stuff for users and we expect Google to like bubble up profiles that have high engagement. So like the, the, almost everything that we're going to talk about now is stuff that we only do um, if we can easily influence the user experience. Things like photos, right? Photos is a big one. Uh, again, Mike has done like a bunch of research on how it's like the primary thing that people look at when making a, a click-through rate, a click-through decision on a pack. Uh, stuff like that. I'm, I'm kind of curious if, if you all are still paying attention to that or have moved on. Uh, I definitely agree. And in fact, I, I think photos will, uh, of all of the things that are going to make a bigger shift this year, I would say photos are probably on my predicted number one slot. Um, and the reason for that is, uh, or is twofold. Um, Google rolled out a uh, sort of image centric um, browsing interface for local results uh, towards the tail end of, of 2019. Um, so I think that we're gonna start to see more image, sort of image local business uh, intersections with, with how people are gonna be uh, interacting with businesses in three packs or other carousel type results. Um, the second thing is uh, Google's getting very good at understanding what is in an image. And so if you think about the you know, Instagram wave where people are taking photos of every meal they, you know, not just every meal they eat, every course of every meal they eat uh, and posting that on Instagram. Um, a lot of people are doing that uh, on Google Maps as well. Uh, and Google's getting very good at understanding what those images contain. Um, and in many cases is also asking folks like local guides um, to help them out and identify what those, what those images contain as well. So I think that there's going to be a, a pretty at least in certain categories uh, like food, like hospitality, you know, travel, those kinds of things. Um, I think images will become, um, we will see the biggest shift in importance uh, this year around images as opposed to other GMB features. So Eric, I just shared a link in our chat, but like uh, Jessica Peck from Perficent Digital uh, wrote this article this year on Google's shift from kind of text to images as a way that they understand entities and kind of like the way that they understand kind of search holistically. It's very interesting. Um, I don't know if you know, like, any of you all know Eric Enga and Perficent, but they do like lots of like really interesting data oriented research around some of this stuff. Um, just very interesting topic on, on images and how Google kind of thinks about images in general and the way that they're moving their search results and the way that they like train their AI and machine learning programs, stuff like that. So, um, and at the summit, Joe Danzer, uh, at our last local business marketing summit, did a whole session where he actually showed uh, Google's cloud vision 
Mm-hmm. If you put a photo into the Google Cloud Vision, it'll actually show you all of the entities that Google has associated with that photo. So it was fascinating because he showed how, how uh, you know, one service area business had a photo of, of a carrier air conditioner and on their site, and Google recognized that photo associated with that business, associated with the brand carrier, and associated with air conditioning. So I think you're right on, David, that, you know, Google's getting real smart about their, their visual optimization. It's not just the photos and, and, and it is engagement, but they're also beginning to, to tie in entity relationships through these visual elements. So yeah, Eric, I did a blog post on that okay, particular tool on the local U blog. So I'll send you the link if you want it. Love it. Um, that basically ran through how to use it. Andy Simpson actually brought it up and um, told us about it, but um, I think something that's really important to note is that image importance really varies based on the industry. I'm kind of tired of seeing like insurance agents try to upload a hundred stock photos to their listing because they think it'll help them in some way. I think like, you know, in Dan's case with tacos, like absolutely photos really matter if you're a restaurant or a hotel, but if you're like a lawyer or an insurance agent, you do not need to add 200 photos of your staff from different angles or, you know, stock photos of car accidents. Like it's just kind of ridiculous. I think, like you said, Dan, photos are for the user. Those photos do not help users. They don't care. Stock yeah, photos, I think, important to know. For GMB, a really funny choice. Yeah, I, I think stock <laughs> photos in any any category are not not a great yeah. idea. So, yeah. <laughs> right. be authentic with the photos. Put them up there. Hey, a lot of questions have come through, which I think I'm going to solve 20 questions in one shot here. A lot of people want to know about uh, you know geotagging photos, whether that works, whether that doesn't work, whether it's something that you should do. I'm amazed how many client, how many questions are coming through on that. And, and uh, things so like also the file the name of the photo. Well, 2010 20, okay. coming back again. David, this is oh. this David. David, take it, take it away. Um, I, I have no uh, empirical data on this, but I can't imagine that that is a, uh, anything that's gonna move the needle on your rankings, so. It, it didn't so we We've done testing on this. Um, geotags do not even get like registered with Google. When you upload an image and you add geotags, they don't stay. They get stripped off the moment you upload them. And for privacy reasons, they're not even on the photo when you download them. So it's a giant waste of time to geotag photo. We actually um, consult with a chain that asked me this because they were spending all this time geotagging photos. And it's like, no, like, please don't spend hours doing this. Um, file names do get do stay. So like if you, you know, put like best insurance agency in Utah in your file name and you upload it to GMB, it does actually stay, but it has no impact. So we've, we've tested that as well. Imagine if you had to be the Google engineer that had to write the thing that crawls all photos in GMB for geotagging and somehow rank that based off oh. importance. Like imagine that's your job. Like, oh my gosh, you signed up at Google for this. <laughs> Awesome. So one more thing that I think did, did, did come through here. How then, how often should a business like update like the photos of their business and the photos uh, of their staff? If it's not just, Hey, let's just, you know, spam the heck out of it. Cause that doesn't work. And to me, I've always put the answer is look when it makes sense. If you have staff turnover, if you're going to like refresh your staff photos every couple of years, or if you've changed your building or remodeled or changed your, your signage, that's a good time to do it. But you don't, don't go nuts trying to upload a ton of photos every single week. So this is like where I was talking yep. about the 360 view, right? Where we do that, like we have clients that do that like once a year, right? Where it's, it's, it's about the inside of the store, store tour, stuff like that, or like exterior photos they do once for every location a year, right? But it's not 
it's not like spam a million photos. It's just like how to have a business process that keeps up with documenting your locations. So you have the collateral to be able to use in things, right? It's, it's actually, I think, pretty useful to do it once a year. Depend Again, I wouldn't do it for a lawyer, but like, again, if you're like a, like a chain retail store, uh, a chain service area business, right? You want to keep your logos up to date on all of your equipment, show that your, you know, your area is modern and clean, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So I want get off photos and videos and I'm only like this because I'm trying to keep us within the time limits here. I know we're, 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 I don't want to run, I want to be answer some questions too. Um, let's talk briefly about products, services, and menu items. Are those actual ranking factors? Is Google looking at the content of those or do you think it's preparing it for the future or is it more just of an engagement to people uh, who are visiting that particular listing? It's just engagement. Yeah, but we, we've bet on products. I'll just tell you, like we're doing products yeah. for clients where it makes sense. I think it's a good investment of time. I think Google wants to make GMB more transactional, but like it's, it's right now it's just engagement. But uh, I think like, again, personally, I think it's worth a bet. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I don't think there's any real impact right now, but there very well may be in 2021 uh, or, or beyond. Um, and I think Dan hit the nail on the head with transactions. And I would say not just with products, but also with services. Um, you know, if you are a nail salon or whatever, you know, Google already has a number of integrations through Google Reserve partners like MindBody and that, you know, those types of services. Uh, I have a feeling that they're actively working on their own system uh, and that you're going to want to have a menu of services and prices that will eventually connect to that system. Um, whether that's the first thing that you should do, you know, as a New Year's resolution in 2020, you know, probably not. But I do think it's a good thing to, to start thinking about and, and adding those in. So menus, products, services, it's good to add them. It helps with, with user engagement, but it's not necessarily a ranking factor at this point, it, unless you fact, factor in the fact that engagement itself is a ranking factor. Do you guys subscribe to that? We, we also just want to funnel users to the right pages too, right? So like service, we do service menus for customer, like clients that have like a like sales and service department with different like URLs where the main URL is like the sales. And then there's like a service menu. We want to funnel them to the right place, right? We want to increase their, like the goal isn't to rank, the goal is to increase their transactions. So anything we can do to like funnel user, like get customers deeper into the funnel, like is a, is a win regardless of ranking factor or not, right? Like you get the conversion credit. Yeah, one that you didn't mention, Eric, that I think is really important is messaging. Um, I think it's getting more and more visibility. Um, a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of our clients that don't want it because you have to send it to a phone, single user, like on an app. It's a pain in the butt to manage. But like for, you know, our locksmith client, for example, or like our insurance agent, they're killing it with like getting leads from that. Um, so, I mean, if you're able to hook it up to a phone using the DMB app and there's like one single person that can respond to the majority of the leads, then it is definitely a worthwhile thing to do. It's a main sales, pre-sales channel for a brand that we work with that we got them into, the one where it was like a big problem getting their vendor migrated to the new service. It was like they, like a big investment in messaging. Is, it, it was great, right? And then they borked the whole thing. And again, the fact that you're doing messaging or that you're responding to messaging may not necessarily be a ranking factor, but I think we got to, you know, a lot of businesses and, and even most marketers need to think about that. It's not just about ranking, but it's about when someone gets that listing, how well are you doing at engaging them and getting them in as a customer? And then exactly. that engagement, what? right? That engagement is what Google also looks at that becomes a ranking factor. So even though 
something may not necessarily be a ranking factor. The fact that it increases engagement in and of itself helps your ranking. Is that fair to say? I, that's my perspective. And I, I would just say to echo what you, you know, your most recent comment, like think about if, if let's say that you have, you know, no, you're not doing any quote SEO whatsoever. You're just out at a networking function and, you know, somebody mentions your, your business's name to a friend. The first thing they're going to do is Google you. And so even if you have no like SEO budget to rank for any quote unquote discovery terms where they're, you know, about stuff you sell and not just your business, if you're presenting a really terrible experience to someone who's already been referred to you, you're not going to get that business anyway. So focus first on what you would do if somebody has already gotten your name from a friend, how are you going to make them a customer? Um, and that should be your starting point with everything related to GMB, in my opinion. Makes sense. All right, moving along, let's briefly touch on GMB posts. GMB posts, they've been kind of popped up in prominence, gone down in prominence, moved all over. What are your thoughts on GMB posts for 2020? Is it effective? Is it just an engagement strategy? Is it being used as a ranking factor? What do you think? We heavily invest in content, so it's like content syndication. So we, we do it for sure because we're usually on the content creation side or working to like get like um, like organized client deals and offers and stuff like that to syndicate them out and stuff like that. So so we're we're big on the posts. So I think it really varies based on the industry. If you're like a restaurant that has certain things going on different days of the week or like a gym or something like that, it makes perfect sense to use posts regularly. For like our insurance client, we stick an event post up for a year because it's just not worth investing time in. There's nothing new going on. Um, it's the same call to action they want the entire year. So I think it really depends on what industry you are and how frequently your coupons and specials change. Yeah, for like retail, it's killer, right? And the big issue is, is of scale, right? And it not being a thing that you can do in the API. But they, they have the like business operations to support something like that with like, like you're saying, coupons and deals and offers and local specials and all that kind of stuff. So if you can surface that, like we're talking about with like kind of getting the customer, it's very powerful. Um, the most recent data set that we've looked at at Thrive Hive was from October. It was around 22,000 businesses or so. Um, we didn't really see an, a, a discernible impact in terms of uh, actions, impressions, you know, any, any important KPIs from posting. Um, I, that said, I think if you look at um, the Google Maps product roadmap, they're pushing the follow button a little bit more heavily. Um, we're, you're starting to see a lot of, um, uh, by the way, everyone should follow Cindy Crum, who's really on everything Google's doing with Android and kind of what Android users see, especially if you are an iPhone user like myself. Um, you know, you're starting to see Google push content to Android users as interesting finds or whatever. Um, and so I, I think posts may play a role in that sort of future Android ecosystem, but it may be a little while before um, we really start to see uh, the impact roll out. But to Joy's point, you know, if you're in an industry that just doesn't get a lot of searches, uh, like insurance or whatever, like, yeah, you're probably not going to have that many people see your post, let alone click on it. So I, I have seen, though, posts. Uh, first of all, I've seen content from posts bubble up into the, the, the GMB results pack. And, offers, I believe. And, I, don't, I don't know that I've seen a, a standard update do that. Have you? It may not be a standard. I, I've, I've seen a few instances. Like, I don't know if it's standard. Like in the whole thing, especially on mobile, where there's that broken SERP, right? Where like the pack goes multiple places. Right. They, they have them there too. Yeah. And, and I have seen, you know, like uh, I work with, a, uh, with an accountant 
uh, here in Northern Colorado who they actually do, it's not just generic content, they actually do really good updates on things that are happening with Colorado law or federal law that may impact their business owners. And they write a blog post and they do a quick little update on their, on their website. Now, are they jamming it every single day? No, he probably does two a month maybe of these, but it's the same content he would post on his blog, same content he posts on social, same content he put, put on email. And it's been very effective for, for, for him. So um, I, I, I don't want to necessarily dismiss posts. I think that there's, there's value there, but is, is it as huge as it potentially could have been? Probably not. But so like, again, like, um, like we work with a, a, a large auto chain. Uh, Greg Gifford talks about this a bunch, like an auto pushing post is amazing, right? Because it, all it is, is moving people that are searching for your brand or that see you into a commercial, like a, a commercial offer, right? Whether it's like an oil change, a car purchase or whatever. So you're taking a branded search and turning it into commercial intent. So it's, it, I mean, and again, the purchase price of like the inventory units, right? And the lifetime value of customers is enough where it's just worth it to just like go, three times a week there, right? Because if you get five customers from that uh, month for like a brand of 500 locations, it's, it's a net positive for the program, right? It, it can be like, again, can be really powerful. And, and what about now Google auto posting some photos into Google posts? So the, the majority of the feedback I've heard on that is negative, but it is a launched feature. So it was intentional. Some people thought it was like a mistake. <laughs> it wasn't a mistake. I, I, I don't like it personally. So I've been pushing hard on the um, feedback we've been giving Google that they should not put it there. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's a new thing that Google started doing. Any uh, business added photo gets added in the post section. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, again, there are different things that impact posts, I think, can have an impact. But are we talking like, you know, is it does it move it this much? Or does it move it this much? And like, I think one of the things that David, you wanted to chat about, and I think is kind of come up in here, as we've talked about it is, look, there's no one size fits all optimization, different markets, different population densities, different geographies, all have different things that factor in. And so you guys want to address that briefly, the fact that look, Everybody's looking for the one silver bullet answer. How do you optimize a GMB listing? Organic search. Reviews. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I was just asking just for the one silver bullet to a, to factor. Things, right? It's not tactically a few things, but the buckets of what matters is honestly relatively simple. It's just hard to influence them, and there are a million ways to do it. And sorry, everyone, we can't like fix that for you. SEO is complicated, and businesses are different. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're willing to spam, you could just add business uh, keywords to your business name and then you increase in ranking overnight. Um, that, that still works. Or categories also can have Im immediate impact and changes. Changes to the website can have immediate impact and changes. Um, backlinks, I think, are more long-term. Um, but I mean, like, like Dan said, like it's a mixture. It's not, I, there is no silver bullet and it's, there's no fast, immediate way to, to get up there overnight unless, again, you're willing to spam. If you're willing to spam, there's lots of options. You can't, you can't just add the custom category for the keyword you want to rank for like you did 12 years <laughs> ago and automatically rank number one. Yeah. Well, so or I a business description with all the keywords for the different product lines you want to rank for and have that rank too. That doesn't work anywhere either. Well, so let's talk spam for a second here, because obviously spam has been a giant issue. Um, we could go into review spam, but I, let's talk focus, focus mostly on listing spam. So listing spam, what are we seeing with with fact? You said, Joy, hey, you can just add certain keywords to the back of your geography words to the back of your of your business name and boom, poof, instant. Are, are you recommending that as a tactic? 
no. no. So we've had we've had clients rebrand, and I mean, honestly, that is something I think it's hard to do on a chain level. But like, if you're a small mom and pop shop, and you're let's say a lawyer or something, rebranding isn't um, out of the picture. We've had several clients do it to make their new brand more keyword friendly. But I mean, again, knowing that it could not matter as much in a year currently, it matters too much in my opinion. Um, but as far as just adding keywords in the name, I, I don't suggest doing that unless you're doing it legit. I, I would more like go after people that are doing it um, instead. That's generally my approach. Just to agree with you there, Joy, like the, on our data on ranking factors, the reason keyword and business name is like down is because it's way more ubiquitous now. It's not like that it matters less. It's that there is more of it out there. So like the difference between places having keyword and business name is less. So there should be a lot of opportunity for you people to knock it out there if it's uh, affecting them from ranking where they want to rank, right? <laughs> And obviously one of the best ways to increase your, your ranking on Google is to go out and find all the companies ahead of you that are, have fake listings or are spamming their listings and report the heck out of them. Yeah, yeah. Joey, that's been really <laughs> effective for you guys, right? Yeah, it's probably like the number one tactic we use for any vertical that's spammy. So like legal, anything, service area business, HVAC, it's insane how much spam there is. Like it's kind of sickening. Yeah. And I always, I always forget the name of that tool. What is some weird, what's the name of the tool that Google has, the reporting system? Oh, the business redressal oh, okay, form. Report. <laughs> what, what's it called, David? Yeah, the, Go ahead, Joy. Oh, yeah, what he said, business uh, redressal form. I can put the link in here. Yeah, put, yeah put, put the link in here real quick. We'll bring that because a lot of people are asking how, what's the best way to report that here. Oh, yeah, business redressal. Yeah, like, what the heck? You know, what you want to say, call, you know, report GMB spam. So well, <laughs> this is, this is, let um, me share that out real quick. So yeah, anybody's out there. We had a lot of people asking about this on, on the questions here. This is a great way. A, if you're, if you're finding people who are spamming their listings or fake listings or things like that, you can put this in here, report this. And I've actually seen the responses be, if you fill everything out, be pretty relatively quick. Yeah, so I can I can share a bit of feedback on the redressal form. Currently, we're seeing wait times about four to five weeks. So if you submit a report uh, and you expect that listing will be gone next week, you'll be very disappointed, which is frustrating. Those times kind of go up and down, but currently it's pretty long. Additionally, if you find a listing for a business that's keyword stuffing, um, so they're just adding keywords to their business name, but it's a real location, uh, if you send it to this form, it won't get addressed. So in those cases, you would want to use suggest and edit on Google Maps instead. So I wanna get into some, do you guys have a, I know we're supposed to our hours technically up, but do you guys have a few more minutes to hang around, take a few uh, questions from everybody? I have just about five. All right, well hang on as long as, long as you can. Um, I thought this was a good one that I wanted to, to get in here. Um, hey, if we are running, what is the best way to work with Google support for Google My Business? Especially with suspensions, <laughs> duplicates, errors, things like that. My answer would depend on what the issue is. So if it's something that's not time sensitive, I would say use social support. You'll get a response in like three to five days, so don't use it for anything time sensitive. If it's time sensitive, we always use chat. Um, if it's something where you're stuck in a um, loophole with a suspension and like you're just getting the same can response from Google My Business support, at that point you'd wanna try the Google My Business forum. Right, let me bring that up for you here. So yeah, there is a forum up there. So, you know, the you're saying the, the the chat support within GMB itself, the obviously if it's a spam thing, the redressal form, 
Um, we actually have a whole post on this on our site. Joy, I'm sure you have one on your site too. So we'll, we'll share that with you guys here uh, later on here. And if you keep banging your head against the wall, hire Joy. It'll be a lot, exactly. a lot more pleasant. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go through a couple of questions here. Lots of questions coming in through uh, Q&As. We didn't get into Q&As. So this is a great question come through. So talk about Q&As. How important are they? Are they a ranking factor or is it more of an, more of an audience engagement issue? I don't think they're a ranking factor, but sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, finish your thought. I don't think they're a ranking factor, but the number of listings I see with actual customers saying, hey, can I make an appointment or do you do this or whatever, where there's no answer is mind blowing to me. So uh, at least pay attention to um, potential customers uh, asking questions. Yeah, um, Q&A, so we did a test on this that I talked about in last, uh, locally advanced last year. So we, it didn't impact ranking based on the test that we did. But I agree with David. Like you, it's important to respond to those in a timely fashion because if you don't respond right away, it's essentially useless. Like the person's not going to care if you respond a week. They want an answer like now. So we, we definitely monitor those. Horrible. All brown ones look just absolutely terrible in every single way, shape, and form because they're not managed. They're really hard. There's no easy notification system, right? Google rolled this out without like thinking about like what it means to like – Gosh, imagine if you're like 7-Eleven, right? You have 11,000 locations. Like, what does that look like? Right? Like, yeah. A plus roll out there, right? Like, they're never going to respond to those. How do you do that? Yeah, and unfortunately, in a lot of cases, they're complaints uh, for the big brands, at least yeah. the ones that I've seen, which, you know, technically should be able to get taken down, but there's just no scalable way to do that. So. And they would be good feedback to get into their existing customers. So, like, they have the processes to take these things, right, and make it, like, relevant use of them. There's just, like, no functional way to do it, right, like, which is a classic Google problem, right? Like, try to solve a problem that people have in a way that is meaningful for them and then put, give them no way to connect the dots. Okay, so a couple more questions came through here. Let's go to dive in more deep on that. All right, um, here we go. This is an interesting one here. Oh yeah, here's a good one. Yeah, uh, back to the local business websites. Um, a, while, a couple years ago, local schema was a big thing. Is local schema still a thing with local business websites and should we be implementing schema on our sites? Okay, I was expecting Dan to jump on this one. <laughs> talk about how we do it, right? Like, so we, we use it if there's like a good example is, um, so wearing my site bulb shirt right now, they're doing a schema QA testing going on. Uh, Joy went up to me with her Google shirt, of course. But, um, and so a good example that I sent them for testing is a multi-location brand that has like a different organization name than with each individual location, right? Where each, like there's an organization umbrella name and individual, each location has its own like local name. Schema is super important there because you want to do a branded search and you want it to show up with all of those individual things. So like super relevant. I bet David, I bet you use it for your uh, medical group all the time, right? We try to, yes. <laughs> um, so I don't think it's- we're a bit of- Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was gonna say we're a bit obsessed with back schema or FAQ schema at the moment because that is really super visible and it just pushes everybody down on the page. So the clients really like it when we you know, push the competitors down. So totally. that's kind of our current one that we're spending a lot of time on. I was just gonna say that, uh, so you said it more compellingly than I would have. I was just gonna say, I don't know that local business schema is the most important schema actually. Uh, it's other rich snippet schema like FAQ. 
or, or solving a business problem like Google doesn't quite like him. So, you know, uh, Joy was talking about uh, updating like an entity's other website over here and having it like brand B and having it affect brand A. Like Google may not understand this like ABC relation sometimes. We've seen like lots of examples where you do like a search for a brand and the knowledge panel for like one of their child brands comes up. Like it can, all this kind of weird stuff can happen. Schema solves that problem, right? It tells Google how to break those relationships. So, so if you're just doing it to like, rank or whatever, and this is could be true with anything. If you're just like doing it to rank and not thinking about like why this would make you rank any better or how this would help your KPIs or objectives, probably could do something else. Yeah, we're actually hoping to have Martha Van Berkel on here in a few weeks, who's like the schema queen. Oh yeah, I know Martha. There. She's great. We're gonna talk about that. You know, obviously re re review schema did change this year because it used to be you could put all your reviews in schema and get like a star a star ranking on some of your pages that has yeah, that's changed, so right? that's so self-serving though eric it's just so self-serving it's so very self-serving but it was a tactic people were using no no i know that was that was uh i think john uh, mueller's response when uh, people asked him why they made right. that change so we're, we're hoping to do kind of an, a whole a whole update on website schema here in a few weeks is. Have Martha talk about nesting schemas together. She's like, like really at the forefront of talking about the way that these things all interrelate to each other and not just like dropping them on a page. She does like the most interesting stuff with that and has the most interesting insights. Here's a great question. Go ahead, David. I was just going to say, I've actually got to take off, unfortunately. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. If you got to bail, go ahead and bail. Uh, we're just going to do a couple more questions. I'm about to do it. For people who didn't get to the questions, um, I'll see what I can do to get back to you guys with some of your questions on there. Maybe we'll just do a separate post on this. Um, you could also post it to our um, LMI Connect Facebook group. We'll try to answer them there. Um, but one question I thought was a really good one here was AMP, Accelerated Mobile Pages for Local Business Websites. Good thing, bad thing. So we don't do it because I find it's a pain in the butt to manage. Um, and I haven't seen like, honestly, it is. So we, we've had like cases where people um, have content on their main page and then they forget to update the AMP page. And so there's like conflicting differences. And um, yeah, I think if you're a new site, AMP is very important, but I have yet to see enough of a reason to implement it for small businesses. Um, I don't know if Dan's had Fired for new sites. You can't, you are, or, so this may have changed, but you couldn't get into the old Google news without being like being on AMP. And so like when I hear AMP, I hear speed. Speed is super important. We don't have any clients on AMP really. Yeah, I mean, there was actually one person who, I forget the study, I'd have to find it, uh, pretty well known, who took uh, a site that had AMP, removed AMP, and search traffic and overall traffic went up on the site. AMP was actually more designed for publishers, for media and publishing sites, because that's where it really shows up is in those kind of news kind of results more than local business results per se. Um, so again, I'm not going to say that there's one size fits all. I'm sure there's exceptions that prove the rule, but in general, uh, the stuff I've seen is that AMP isn't necessarily much of a thing for local businesses. All, all it means is just like have a super fast site, right? And so they're really cool, like SMB friendly, like React and fancy client side rendering frameworks right now that if you have like a developer, you could make ha happen very fast. Okay. So apologize here, but you know, I want to be sensitive to, to your time here. Um, are there any last thoughts, Dan, that you want to throw in here as far as the, what are the, if you were just to, to, to boil it down, what are the most important ranking factors, maybe three or four tops that businesses should focus on, on in 2020, what would they be? I'm going to say organic search and yield my time to Joy because Joy knows more about GMB than anyone. So she's the person that should talk about GMB ranking factors the most. All right, Joy, balls in your court. 
Uh, yeah, well, for GMB, I mean, honestly, our, our number one tactic is probably reporting spam. But um, other than that, I mean, backlinks, organic SEO, like Dan said, those are always the, the three main priority items that we put in. And then I'd say reputation management is really important as well, but like, it's not something you can do for them. So getting them set up, making the recommendations to them, and then hoping they take your advice is kind of where we stand as an agency on that. And that kind of brings us back to where we always start all of our stuff from here is saying, hey, look, don't even bother with local search optimization or any other local marketing. If one, if you have a crappy business experience for people, fix that first, it'll fix a ton of marketing problems. And then number two, if you can't answer inbound calls and get back to them quickly, you don't need to do more marketing. But it kind of ties to enjoy what you're saying that, hey, your reputation, yeah, it's good to have that, but you know, you can only do so much you can't necessarily change the customer experience per se. Yeah. Okay. If you don't have good business practices, getting more customers isn't going to be a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time. Uh, David, thank you for your time. Sorry, I had to, had to, had to bail. Um, gang, hopefully you found this, this useful. We really do appreciate you guys on here. We're going to hopefully have this up and post it to our website by next Friday. And we're going to probably maybe try to put some of these factors. And I'll put some of these links. Joy, a couple of ones you had in there. Uh, Dan, definitely want to put the link to your local ranking factor study that you had here as well.